And now we continue with part two of our interview with retired assistant chief, Gary Labby. Uh, but anyway, getting back to uh, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood had built a replica of the El Cajon station on its set. And like Gil mentioned, the charts on the walls, while the actors were processing, were authentic replicas. Although I did notice uh, one day that we had no no more charts on the walls, and I mentioned it to uh, one of the supervisors. You know, I says what what happened to our charts? You know, and he he hemmed and hawed and said, "Listen, uh, I got a new." Uh, assignment for you starting tomorrow, come in civilian clothes, and you're going to be painting the entire inside of the El Cajon station. So I ended up, uh, for having asked that question about the charts, yeah. for some reason, uh, painting the entire inside of the El Cajon station. Nice. Uh, and I, I think we, I had to paint it lime green or something. Uh, but I, I learned my lesson, and I never mentioned anything to the suits again after that. Uh, <laughs> that that's your job. But I'm uh, halfway suspecting that your charts were not replicas in the movie. They were probably the original that had been hanging on our walls. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that made uh, you. And, and then the scene of, of Rimley, uh, we see in the movie, I think, at the, towards the beginning, of him coming out of the El Cajon station, that's the actual set that Hollywood built uh, as the replica. Uh, it was probably a cardboard replica, I don't oh, know, okay. of our station, but it was pretty accurate. Uh, have I still got you on there? Yeah, we're still here. Okay, yeah, my, my phone is starting to up here, so I just wanted to make sure, you know. Now you're loud uh, A lot of the outdoor filming was done in the El Cajon working area, and I specifically remember the scene involving the White Bridge, uh, where we would check that White Bridge underpass every morning and caught quite a few loads uh, waiting to be picked up there. So that was one of the authentic scenes. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, let me go back a little bit into some of the actors' background here to okay. break up the, the filming aspect of it. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going on notes here, Gil, so bear with me. I just wanted to continue. A few of the El Cajon agents uh, were used as extras in other scenes. Uh, and one that comes to mind is uh, one of our El Cajon agents, Sal Wilson. I can still see him, uh, God rest his soul, he died a few years ago, uh, sauntering across the bridge from Tijuana into San Isidro. And like you mentioned, they used family members, but uh, most of the crowd scenes uh, of aliens were Chula Vista Hispanic agents, uh, that portrayed uh, the illegals being taken into custody, especially in the farm scene, in the ranch scene, where they locate them in some huge barn. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the 
two of his agents were also in the funeral scene, to the best of my recollection. Yeah. But uh, I uh, I didn't know any of them at the time. We we just knew <laughs> who we were working with. But uh, going to the background of some of the agents, and I'll try and be brief on this. Don't uh, worry about it, because we can divide this uh, podcast up into a couple of episodes, so take your time. Sure. Uh, now, one of the actors that I have a photo of, he's pictured with Ab and the chief uh, sitting behind him, uh, is John Ashton. And he's one of the guys that came to ride around with us. Now, John was uh, in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Yeah. He played the uh, gruntle police officer with Eddie Murphy. I know exactly uh, who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. He had been in Midnight Run with De Niro in uh, 88. I believe the film came out. And in uh, the last movie I remember him in was uh, Gone, Baby Gone. In 2007. Yeah, he played Agent, uh, Agent Charlie Monroe. Yeah, oh, you're better at trivia than I am. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> I have to research these things because I barely remember names. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, anyway, uh, the other actor that rode around with us was a guy by the name of Larry Kelly. And I believe Larry was from New York. Now, for some reason, had had a lot of New York actors on the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruno Kirby was from New York. Yeah. Larry Kelly was from New York. Uh, uh, Wil- Wilford was from uh, Utah, I believe, so he wasn't a New Yorker. But uh, very little was known about Larry Kelly. I actually couldn't find anything that he had been in, so I think Borderline might have been his one and only claim to fame. Uh, uh, now, Wilfred uh, Brimley uh, was a well-known character actor and uh, was a friend, actually, of Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. And back then, uh, Bronson used to use a lot of his friends in his movies. So he brought Wilfred on, who I thought was miscast as a uh, you know, a, a young agent being shot in the line of duty, but that that was Bronson's uh, tribute to his friend. He wanted him in there, and he figured the best role, uh, without giving him too much airtime, would yeah. be for him to be killed right off at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> Wilfred's part was short-lived. Uh, uh, Wilfred had been in the movies uh, The China Syndrome mm-hmm. way back, Jack Lemmon, uh, The Natural with Robert Redford, baseball movie, and for the old-timers, the movie Cocoon, about senior citizens, I think, in a nursing home. Yeah, I remember. Uh, another uh, character actor that was, and the first time we saw him was in the funeral scene, was uh, Kenneth McMillan. Uh, Ken McMillan had been a a serious character actor uh, in the movies and on TV. He had been on the TV series Rhoda. Uh, He had been in the movie Dune, The Pope of Greenwich Village, 
True Confessions, I think, which was another, if I'm not mistaken, another De Niro movie, mm-hmm. uh, and Runaway Train with John Voight. So he was, like I said, he was uh, uh, pretty uh, a pretty good character actor in all the uh, scenes uh, I've seen him in, and he he was dressed uh, with a uh, brown uh, raincoat. He was in civilian clothes, suit and tie, and a brown raincoat, and he played the regional commissioner of uh, the uh, area of the Southern California area. And he's pictured in the funeral scene when they do a pan of the agents standing uh, in, in formation. Mm-hmm. And my 15 seconds of claim to fame is I'm directly behind Ken McMillan, and I've got this thick mustache that I, I sported for many, many years. Uh, so I, I was able to recognize myself in that, that short 10, 15 second clip. I'm definitely going to uh, have to go in there and find that. Yeah, like I said, directly behind McMillan, uh, he wore glasses, and he's the only one there with a brown uh, brown raincoat uh now uh i also met the director of the movie uh jim nelson and i have a couple of shots of him uh jim was dressed i guess imitating ab in western garb he had cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and uh you know was uh, was on the set uh, all day and was one of the few people that Ab would talk to uh-huh. uh, because he had to, I guess, uh, you know. But uh, Jim Nelson had been involved in the, the original Star Wars. Uh, back then, I think he was a sound producer. Uh, and he also helped produce the I- iconic Andy Griffith show. Yeah, great uh, show. Uh, which, was, which was a classic. Yeah. Now, uh, moving on to uh, the other actor, uh, Bruno Kirby. Uh, Bruno Kirby uh, died in 2006 at the age of 57. He died of leukemia. Uh, Bruno had been in uh, a few well-known movies. When Harry Met Sally with Mm -hmm. Billy Crystal, he played... uh, Billy Crystal's best friend, mm-hmm. City Slickers, which was a hilarious uh, Western movie. Uh, again, with Billy Crystal. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but it's worth looking up. Uh, and uh, Bruno had also been in Godfather 2, which had won several Academy Awards. Uh, also, he had played, played the lieutenant in uh, Good Morning Vietnam, uh, which I, I remember him in that movie. Uh, and then Donnie Brasco, again, uh, Al Pacino movie. And interestingly enough, uh, Bruno had been blackballed in Hollywood by Billy Crystal. Uh, they had had an ongoing feud ever since... Uh, the filming of the uh, the City Slickers movie, uh-huh. and 
they fell at odds and Billy Crystal blackballed him where Bruno would uh, hardly ever work again for some reason. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then another thing I noticed, and, and I've got a couple of uh, good shots of, uh, of Bruno Kirby. Uh, he did show up at the station. He never rode around with any of us, but I think he, uh, he showed up uh, at the station a couple of times during start of shift and I, I was able to get a good uh, a good good shot of him uh, in the in the cemetery uh, now all the uh, supervisors in the scenes including Charles Bronson wore white shirts with their dress uniforms now, I vaguely remember back then that supervisors did wear occasionally white shirts in their dress, with their dress eye jackets. But oddly enough, in the photo I have of Chief Cameron, he's not wearing a white shirt. Ab is, and the actors are, and Charles Bronson is. But uh, for some reason, the chief opted out of wearing a white shirt. You know? mm. So that uh, that struck my uh, my attention there. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I vaguely remember we never really saw most of the supervisors just wore rough duty, so we very rarely uh, saw them uh, in in dress uniform. Uh, Charles Bronson now, covering a little bit about him, <clears throat> we were all standing around. I mean, we had been there since early in the morning, and they we didn't know what filming a Hollywood movie was all about, but we found out. We, uh, the cemetery, the National Cemetery, is built on a hill in Point Loma. Now, they had us lined up at the bottom of the hill, and they had us walk up the hill through the uh, tombstones and then back down. And they kept repeating that because they couldn't get the scene straight. <laughs> so here we are in dress uniform in the midday sun, traipsing up and down. And this went on for hours. <clears throat> I mean, I think I lost five or ten pounds that day. <laughs> It, uh, like I said, it, it just went on and on and on, up the hill, down the hill. And then they had us express our condolences to the uh, supposed uh, wife of uh, the uh, slain agent who was sitting with the family uh, in folding chairs there in the cemetery. So each one of us had to go up and shake her hand and express our condolences. So everybody thought, great, we finally got a speaking part in the movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, they ended up cutting that whole scene. I mean, the whole scene that we filmed, spent a long day filming, I think came down to two or three minutes in the cemetery. Yeah, at best, and, at best. Because I heard even the chief did the eulogy, but they cut that out. Yeah, and I don't even remember the chief doing the eulogy because we were probably standing so far away mm -hmm. that, or uh, exhausted.
exhausted from having walked up and down the cemetery for five or six hours. I mean, it was just brutal. Uh, and we couldn't wait for a break because they never went for a break until later later in the day. But uh, before the break, Bronson showed up and everybody started was, you know, hey, Bronson's on the set, Bronson's on the set. <clears throat> so we thought, great, we're going to get to see Charles Bronson. And sure enough, he shows up, full dress uniform, and uh, was a little ways away from us, uh, stared, stared down at the group standing there, <clears throat> sweating our ass off, and probably felt a little sorry for us. So he figured, I maybe I'll go down and say a couple of words to them. And we had been told from the morning, uh, day one, don't talk to Bronson. He doesn't like being talked to. Uh, don't talk to him. You know, so we thought, oh, all right. Or, you know. But he comes down to talk to us, and he stands there, and he, he made a comment. Uh, we had a, a female agent at the time, and he commented, uh, I didn't realize uh, there were females in the border patrol, you know, so that, that was the one comment that, and that might have been the draw for him to come down and talk to a female border patrol agent. I don't know. After that, he, he, he goes, he goes on and he says, uh, he says, listen, uh, don't ask me to pose with any of you. He says, I don't pose for pictures and, uh, no autographs. He says, uh, you can take all the photos of me you want, but, you know, don't don't come up to me and, and ask me to pose. Now, I had brought a uh, small Instamatic throwaway camera, a Kodak. I don't think they even sell those anymore. I don't know. But it was, I think it had 10 or 12 uh, uh, shots in it. Mm-hmm. It was plastic, it was disposable, and I had picked it up on the way there at a, at a drugstore because it fit easily into my eye jacket uh, inside pocket. So I thought, you know, if I got a chance, I'll at least document some of, you know, some of our experience. So that's how we, I ended up with all these shots. I mean, they're, uh, I've kept them preserved over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got a great shot of Bronson during our uh, uh, one of our breaks. He's sitting uh, on a uh, chair with his back to one of our old green and white Border Patrol cruisers, and he's just sitting there uh, pondering. Uh, so, like I said, I was able to walk up close enough to him to, to get that shot, uh, and, and at the same time, get, uh, the Border Patrol cruiser in the back, and, uh, he's, he's in, in full dress uniform in the shot. And you so are, that was, you're in process of sending me those pictures so that I can, um, reproduce them and, and get you, and get the, that uh, back to you, so I'll be posting a lot of those pictures you're sending me. Uh, on on online uh, very soon. Yeah, that's that's great, Gil. Because uh, I had a friend from the 119th a couple of nights ago when he found out that I had photos. Uh, Errol Samuelson, I think Errol I saw that. living out in 
Arrow lives out in Arizona, and we've been in touch over the internet, uh, Facebook, and, and he, he asked me if I could post them, and I told Errol, listen, Errol, I got a hard enough time <laughs> signing on to Facebook. I says, I have no clue how to post pictures unless my grandkids show up and show me how. Yeah. I says, I'm going to send them to you, because <laughs> I'm sure he's a little more knowledgeable than I am. So you'll be seeing them eventually. So I'm glad you uh, <laughs> you mentioned that because I will get those in the mail uh, tomorrow to you over the next day or two, and uh, so you can you can post that uh, and, and any other material that you may find uh, interesting. Uh, but uh, anyway, I think where I left off, I was covering the actors. And yeah. the last actor I'll cover is uh, Charles Bronson. Uh, Charles Bronson was born Charles Bukinski. Uh, <laughs> he was Lithuanian descent. Uh -huh. uh, and he played mainly tough guy character roles in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, he was the 11th fifteen children. Uh, it was from Pennsylvania and he had actually worked in the Pennsylvania coal mines, which added to the toughness of his character. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, he was uh, a Navy veteran, a World War II Navy veteran, uh, had been married to the British actress Jill Ireland. Yeah. Now I've got a shot of Ab with his son, his teenage son accompanied, accompanied him on the set. Uh, he might have been, he looked like he was 17 or 18 at the time. Uh, and I've got a shot of him uh, from the back, uh, back and side shot of him sitting on the grass next to his father. And he's, uh, I think he's wearing one of our Border Patrol cowboy hats that we had given up to the actors. <laughs> Very nice. But, uh, yeah. 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 I, heard that, I, uh, like I, I heard that Charles Bronson got paid a million dollars for this film. I wouldn't doubt it, Gil, because, I mean, actors are paid unbelievable amounts, and especially if you're a hot actor like Bronson was. You know, Bronson was in uh, Clint Eastwood's league before Clint Eastwood was famous. I mean, yeah. he was... You know, he was that type. And, and that reminds me, I've got another great story about Clint Eastwood that I met during my Bortac days, but I'll save that for another podcast. All right. you, that's a nice little teaser for the Bortac uh, 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 episode we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, uh, when we trained, we went through our sniper training at Camp Pendleton, California, which is in your area. Uh they were filming Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, and you, if you haven't seen the movie, that's another oh, good yeah. movie. I have. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, they, they were filming, and they were all staying at the Ramada Inn off the interstate, where I think there were three or four of us that were in sniper training. Uh I, I'm gonna have to dig up their names. Okay, I save, remember save a couple it. of them. Yeah, save it. For yeah, the, I'll, that I'll, I'll save that. I'll save that. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, you're going to keep me from going off in tangents. Uh, I, 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 I can tell you were about to get into the story, and I'm like, nope, 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 you got to save it for that uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me wrap up on Charles Bronson here, like I said. Okay. Uh, have, a, have a good shot of him uh, in, in the movie. And uh, I've got, I've got a, uh, just a couple of things on Ab. Uh, Ab died at the age of 88 in Alpine, California. And, and sadly enough, Ab had Alzheimer's during his, his final years, yeah. uh, which I was, you know, extremely disheartened yeah, to hear, you know, Ab to me was just a short time I had known him uh, was almost like the loss of a, a family member, you know, really had a lot of respect for Ab. And, uh, 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 but anyway, uh, Ab was born in uh, San Angelo, Texas, uh, which ironically is, is where one of my grandsons uh, was, was in pre-med in San Angelo <laughs> over the, the past past few years. But uh, he was born in San Angelo. His father was a grocery store shopkeeper. Uh, and he grew up doing a, a lot of ranch, ranch work. Uh, as a matter of fact, the story he told at his retirement, uh, when I attended his retirement, was that he used to be the assistant to a veterinarian and one of his jobs was to put on this long uh, plastic rubber glove and uh, dive into a horse's ass <laughs> and in ending his comments he says I went from early on to working in horse's ass to now working for horse's asses. Oh gee. <laughs> referring to the sector staff. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember the chief being at his retirement. So that, that just goes to show you Ab, uh, Ab's feelings towards uh, towards higher-ups on the patrol. Yeah. Uh, now, was there any truth that you noticed or knew about that him and uh, Charles Bronson didn't always get along too well? I never saw it. I, unless something happened when he was technically advising, yeah. Tap was pretty uh, aggressive. And if he had an idea, he wanted to follow through with it. So I think Ab and Charles Bronson might have had similar characters yeah. where they didn't really match, you know, two people of the same thought sometimes temperament, uh, temperament you know the same temperament yeah the the same temperament so i think there might have been something there but i never you know gill might have picked up on it later i never like i said i left not long after the filming of the movie and headed up to the northern border so i didn't get a lot of the uh the uh, you know the, the gossip about what had happened and so on, but I didn't. Uh, I, I never saw Ab approach Bronson. 
during the filming, and Bronson was pretty much standoffish. Mm -hmm. He ate by himself at a long picnic table. The only one with him was his son and Jim Nelson, the director. Everybody else stayed away. Even the crew was afraid of him. <laughs> they, they, actually, one of the crew members told me that his, uh, Bronson's brother had died recently on the streets of L.A. He had been homeless and an alcoholic. And Bronson hadn't even attended the funeral oh. of his own brother. Wow. So that gave you a little bit of insight into, and I, in talking with this uh, staff, uh, a staff person thought it was ironic that here Bronson was in a cemetery, you know, uh, doing a filming scene when he hadn't even attended his own brother's funeral. Yeah. Uh, well, whether it was true or not, I think Ab got the last laugh since he pretty much made Bronson portray his life story in this movie. Yeah, 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 he did, because you can tell, I can tell from the movie, uh, you know, and I'll go a little bit into the, the background here. Uh, you know, rumor had it at the time that uh, the, uh, the script had been floating around Hollywood for quite some time. Uh, ever since the Newton Azraq killings uh, in uh, Oak Grove, California, two agents killed in the line of duty. Yeah. Now, uh, none of this was confirmed, but I heard, I heard it through a couple of sources that the script had laid dormant since then uh, because they had tried to make a movie because it was national news at the time. It was near Hollywood. They had tried to make a movie uh, portraying the killings, but the parents of Newton and Azraq were dead set against it. Uh, they had just lost their sons. Yeah. They didn't want Hollywood glorifying any story about their tragic murder and they even threatened a lawsuit if anything similar to that ever came on the screen so i think that's why they did film borderline uh and, and especially ab at the time was in the press a lot in the la times they'd have huge articles portraying him in his western garb, mm -hmm. his comments that I'll, I'll go through here. Uh, and he might have caught Hollywood's eye also, or especially the, the director, Jim Nelson, because he seemed to be friendlier than normal with Ab. Uh, so he might have eventually uh, brought the script to fruition, and especially getting Bronson to agree to play the part. Uh, so that... Uh, that that made a lot of sense. Another one of the rumors, which I could never confirm, was that Ab was one of the original trackers who showed up at the cabin where Newton Azraq lay murdered, and that he had actually tracked and the two brothers who were responsible uh, from Mexico and uh, drug runners, and he had actually tracked uh, one of the brothers into Mexico. Oh. So, 
I think that's where, like I said, Hollywood took a lot of leeway with the script, didn't want it to resemble the Newton Azraq killings. Yeah. So instead of two agents, they have one agent uh, who doesn't even look like an agent. <laughs> He's not fit and trim. And, uh, so they have one agent killed. Uh, the only trek into Mexico by Bronson it's when he goes into Tijuana. So, again, they're following the fact that Ab might have gone into Mexico to try and locate the killers, which Bronson was trying to locate the mother of the young kid. So they, like I said, they kept the script pretty much sanitary and away from any possible lawsuit. But, uh, uh, like I said, because of not getting permission... Uh, they they tended to uh, they wanted to tell a story, uh, but didn't want to relate it to the Newton Newton Azraq uh, killing. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's uh, a lot of it unconfirmed, and I forget where I I had heard it. I got. A lot of my info from James Burns, James Burns, who was a good friend of Abt, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, uh, you have to, to take it with, uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, sir, that's, that's been a truly remarkable and interesting journey into not only you know, the, the start of your career and working at El Cajon, because that's where I started my career in the Border Patrol as well. Uh, when I when I was told I was going to El Cajon, I was actually disappointed because I lived in Oceanside and I thought that it'd be better for me to be at one of the checkpoint stations, either Temecula or Murrieta. I'm sorry, Murrieta or um, San Clemente. And so uh, I remember guys telling me, no, 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 no. It goes El Cajon is the best station you could you could possibly get, man. You did, you know, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So. Ironically, years later, now in my last three years of my career, I'm going to retire next March. I did shift over to San Clemente, and I'm finishing off my career in San Clemente Station. Well, that's great. That's that's great. Like I said, I I haven't been to El Cajon Station. I went back a couple of years after being on the northern border in one of these op- huge operations uh, to Chula Vista Sector. Uh, and uh, was able to visit El Cajon for a few minutes. Uh, but yeah. that was many, many years ago. And uh, rumor has it, and take this with a grain of salt, but uh, that uh, El Cajon is going to get dismantled in the next few years and all the agents transferred out to different stations, perhaps uh, around the area, Brownfield, Chu, or Camp Or, or whatever. But uh, that's the ongoing rumor right now. I, I wouldn't doubt it. There's been so many change changes in the patrol. Our biggest fear when we were agents, we kept turning over all our drug loads to customs. Uh-huh. And who was appearing in the paper claiming responsibility? Customs, the customs patrol. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these customs patrol class uh, guys had failed out of the Border Patrol Academy. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they were getting the credit. So there was a lot of heartburn with us there on the line, and we kept telling, uh, you know, the agents, 
don't turn the drugs over to customs, claim responsibility. Well, sure enough, down the road, when they reform the Border Patrol, who gets the lead? Customs. You know, we yeah. go into Customs Border Protection. Yeah. So, and there have been a lot of changes. I'm glad I retired. I retired in 99. Mm -hmm. And I've been retired now almost as long as I was in the patrol. Uh, but, you know, uh, my son, uh, Tyler, is carrying on the, the tradition. Uh, he's stationed in Comstock, Texas. And uh, okay. I keep informed. I keep informed through him. Uh, and uh, what's, his, what's his name? What was it? What's his name and his rank there in Comstock? Yeah, his name is Tyler Labby. Tyler Labby, and uh, uh, and he works. And uh, is is he a, a a patrol agent, a border patrol agent, or a supervisor or anything? Yeah, he's a senior border patrol agent in Comstock. Okay. He's been through a really bad time. He was in a terrible uh, tractor trailer SUV, border patrol SUV accident oh. uh, a few months ago. Oh. He was broadsided. He was broadsided by a tractor trailer while uh, rushing to back up fellow agents with a group. And uh, since then, he's been on light duty. He's been through one major spinal fusion operation. He's got two more operations facing him. His gun arm, uh, which is the most worry to him because, you know, if it continues, uh, uh, you know, he's, and, and ironically, uh, since he's been out, we just found out uh, a couple of weeks ago that he tested positive for the coronavirus. Oh, so he can't, he can't catch a break. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a terrible time for for him and uh, for us as his parents here on the East Coast, you know, yes. just uh, yes, just a big worry. So well, we'll be uh, we'll be definitely praying for his complete and um, you know his f complete and quick recovery. And uh, uh, I'm very sorry to hear about that. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing that works nowadays are prayers. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you know your prayers. Uh, and everybody else, anybody else who's uh, who's listening. Uh, All right, so well, we're gonna we'll go ahead and wrap up for now, uh, unless you had any other final details you wanted to mention before we we wrap up this segment. And uh, knowing that we have some uh, some epic segments to look forward to. Yeah, I just had um, again looking at my notes. Uh, uh, I had another statement by Ab here, and uh, for some reason I I can't locate it, so I think I've <laughs> I've gone on long enough. <laughs> uh, if if I do find it, I'll I'll uh, I'll quote it in in one of our future segments here, just to start off another segment someday. Well, but anyway, I, I really appreciate uh, your work, you know, in what you're doing uh, and, and giving me the opportunity to 
briefly relive my past, uh, uh, you know, keep mm -hmm. up the good work you're doing with Old Patrol Headquarters. It's a much-deserved credit uh, to the Border Patrol, uh, especially now in these days of anti-law enforcement sentiment. Uh, very much needed, and, and I'm glad to see somebody out there making uh, making uh, the effort and uh, going the extra mile. So God bless you and, and your family. Thank you, sir. Well, I really appreciate this time. And uh, like I said, we got quite a few um, podcasts to look forward to. So until then, God bless and Godspeed, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Honor first. Honor always. This concludes part one of our interview with retired assistant chief Gary Labby from class 119 out of Glencoe, Georgia. What a great collection of history concerning the El Cajon Station, Ab Taylor, the making of the movie Borderline, and even some background on the Hollywood actors involved in the, in the film for good measure. Come browse through our Old Patrol HQ store at oldpatrolhq.bigcartel.com for some amazing products that you can wear proudly, honoring the history, heritage, and legacy of the patrol with a few shenanigans along the way. If you listen on Apple or Google Podcasts, give us a short but raving review and five stars so we can climb up the corporate food chain. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first. Honor always.